0: we got a tsunami of feedback today on the nhl's recent decision to kibosh theme night jerseys and we got reaction from pride winnipeg to find out what they have to think that the nights will still continue but the warm-up jerseys are gone we talk a lot about violent crime what about petty crime more bikes being stolen graffiti is on the rise how do we shut it down And Canada Day just around the corner. We learned what's going on in Osborne Village, learned what's happening at the Forks. They've got a really big drone show happening and something pretty cool happening at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights and some of your favorite Canada Day memories. I'm Brett McGarry alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. Greg's off this week. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb and this is the Wednesday, June 28th podcast for the start. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week. And we want to begin with a question. How do you pronounce the name of this Manitoba community?
1: Baguette. Baguette. Bego. Bejo. (laughs) Bejot. Now, there was a tornado that potentially touched down there last week. That's what Sarah was reporting in the news. And she came to us with the important question. How do you pronounce this town, Lorraine? And I said, Ooh. Good question. Ask Brett. And then Brett said, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and it just had us wondering if, if you live there, if you know anyone there, let us know how it's pronounced. But it also had us joking around about however we think it's supposed to be pronounced. In this province, it's usually the opposite. Yeah. Just Because of the confluence of languages or whatever, like we show. Because
0: in, in Quebec, there's a Bagotville.
1: Bagotville. Uh,
0: Yeah, so you would say Bagotville, but here I found a video on YouTube uh, from this community where it was pronounced Bagot. Like, uh, it reminds me of when I used to go to the, it's not a half moon anymore, but there used to be a half moon on Day Street, just off of Regent Avenue, uh, later became the Whistle Pig, and now it's a Syrian restaurant, but they had this big picture of a bag of French fries with a face on it, like a big happy bag of French fries, and the words were Bagot. Just say bagot, as in, you know, <laughs> give me a big bag of fries. And that's how they, that's how at least this person was saying bag it oh, in Manitoba. He,
1: Eve says it's bag out the way he's, pre- Eve, I don't know, is bag out? Be- bagot. Okay. <laughs> anyway, there's so many communities in this province because of like, if you have the French background or if you come from somewhere else, or if you grew up there, you might just say it the way you think it's supposed to be said. Like we joke around about uh, Richo, Yeah. Richot, "richet." Richay, richer,
0: and we get them all in the, in that in that community of Richat. They their their mayor, their leader, says Richot. And then if you, I think you called the office. It's Richot. Yeah, and then I've also heard uh was so Richot, Richot, and Rich, and Richot. So and I, I would imagine it's the same for richer or Richay. So it's just one of those things where. I th- even Dougald. I grew I grew up with a lot of kids uh, from but, but Dougald how? came to school in with me because we it was for French immersion. We got kids from Oakbank and Ola and Dougald, but I often hear Dougald. Really? Yeah. No. Dougald? Uh, yeah, Jeff Braun pronounces it Dougald, actually. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I, I I I always knew it as dugald
1: Well, this is the most important question of the day. <laughs> okay. Beg-it or begot or bagot, bejo, beji.
0: There are multiple uh, acceptable answers for this community. And believe us, it, it is something that confounds us constantly with these, you know, these smaller communities. And that's part of the reason why we do our small-town salute, so we can visit some of these communities every Thursday just after the news at 7.30. So weigh in on that at 204-780-6868. And you can also weigh in our question of the day at cjob.com for Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace at 204-832-6243. Who won the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade? So far, 43% of you say the Jets say the Los Angeles Kings, and 22% say even trade.
1: Mm, That's a good response. We're going to get more into this throughout the morning in terms of what we got for PLD and what that will provide for the team and where we could go. And we're going to have our Jess report at 7.55, where the theme is there might be people people thinking we got the raw end of the deal, just because you might not be as familiar with the names of the players that are coming here. Um, But that's according to... Paul Edmonds, we did pretty well is the consensus. And Cam seems to think it's a pretty good trade too. We were having that chat in the newsroom this morning with Cameron Poitras. So let us know what you think. I I myself read those names and was like, I don't know who these people are coming to us, but I'm not one of the persons that would probably, if it wasn't in a top 15 player in the league, I'm probably not going to know anyway.
0: Yeah. Same thing. I didn't know. I didn't recognize any of these names, but I I had a giggle that uh, the the highlights that were selected for the 6 o'clock news last night on Global was an assortment of clips of these various now Jets in Kings uniforms scoring on the Jets.
1: Oh, and and, and their stats are pretty good. There are a couple of gold scorers coming your way. And I think now the question is, what's next? I'm just relieved that the Pierre-Luc Dubois conversation is in theory behind us because it felt like it was weeks of when are we going to see this? We know it's coming speculation. And I was laughing, even people on Twitter were, who aren't in the sports world at all, were weighing in. Like I can confirm from my friend down the street who talked to a guy at the (laughs) gas station (laughs) that a trade is coming. Like we all knew that. So then it got got to the point of ridiculousness. So now there'll be other players to watch. We know that. And uh, you know, Tom, one of our listeners saying right now, the jets won in this one. So a lot of fans are happy.
0: And I think too, it sends a message that this organization means business like we find we they, they we knew this had to happen i think they got on top of it relatively quickly and i think it sends a message to the fans like okay we know that we can't just the status quo is not going to work we've got to we've got to make some changes here and this is the first big change and like those they're all young players mm-hmm. i think one of them was only 23 years 23, old
1: 23 yeah so you've got years left you got you got fresh fresher legs you've got mm-hmm. years left to kind of build within the team if they stick around and so we'll get more into that throughout the day i myself i'm just trying to see where what the end game is going to be. I don't want to get too worked up or excited or angry now because there's a lot of more, there's a ton more moves Mm. yet to be made before you decide what all the pieces together look like.
0: McGarry and McNabb. Mackling's off this week. One of the things we're going to be focusing on today is looking ahead to Canada Day. At 7.05, we'll talk to Osborne Village Biz. At 8.05, we'll speak to the Forks. And at 9.35, we'll learn about something special happening at the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. But since we're talking Canada Day, for a chance to win either... Tickets to see the Winnipeg Sea Bears take on the Niagara River Lions at Canada Life Centre on July 11th, or a chance to win tickets for the Gimli Film Festival happening July 26th to the 30th. We just want you to tell us a Canada Day story, a fond memory from Canada Day, a fun memory, maybe a silly memory, or if you want to go a different direction, whatever you think, 204-780-6868. Like, have you ever shot fireworks? at people, I think we probably all have at least one friend who's got a story about someone shooting a Roman candle at them.
1: Yeah, not me, but I know, I'm not even going to say, yeah, it's on video, Yeah, stupid idiots, (laughs) they're all idiots.
0: (laughs) It really is dumb, and by bringing that up, I certainly want to make it abundantly clear I am not advocating for the shooting of Roman candles at your friends. Uh, Cameron Poitras, why don't we start with you, sir? Uh,
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love Canada Day. Um it's my probably my second favorite, you know, sort of holiday that we celebrate here in in, in Canada. Um just because of, of where it lands and what it represents in the, in this in this great country um that we live in and and, and stuff like that and it I, I always find, you know, it was the best Canada Day that I can remember is when I just came back to Winnipeg and I'd been living in Calgary and it was it was the first one I had been able to spend like with my friends. And uh, I, the, now they don't have the street market on Osborne Village unless it's coming back. I don't think it is. Um, but we we walked up and down. We we went to uh, this per, you know a, a couple house parties. We were on top of somebody's roof at one point uh, in the night. Uh, went uh, onto the bridge to watch the fireworks at the Forks, and it was just a it was just a really 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 wonderful day. And I I took a long walk along the river, um, and. I just was like very, very thankful that day. And I I just remember how much I, I enjoyed it. So, yeah
0: pro pro Canada day, big time. There you go. Sarah McCarthy. What about you?
1: Love that. Yeah. Mine was back in 2016. It was my last year of high school and I had made a friend that year with the exchange student from Slovakia. So she happened to be there. I'm not sure how
3: her year worked. Cause she was there after the school year for Canada day. So that was really special. Just
1: like, uh, seeing her experience, her first and only Canada day, uh, just doing all of the traditional things that my hometown does. Like we have dragon boat races, uh, Uh, She probably tried poutine for one of the first times, like hunt out with our friends on the lake and just the fireworks. And it was just just normal stuff to us that was just so special for her. And like we probably take for granted just doing it every year. So it was a fun day.
0: You ever get in the dragon boat?
1: I have not. She did though. So what'd you think? <laughs> she loved it. It was fun. Yeah, it is yeah, fun. She took part in ouries. So yeah, it's exhausting mm-hmm.
0: though.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but hard work.
0: It is. Like there are, and we have some like teams who are basically mm-hmm. elite in Manitoba. Yeah. They go to all the competitions. They practice. Like I see them practicing mm-hmm. through the summer. Yeah, they don't want my-
1: us showing up, being like, "No, this is my first time." Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they, they in those competitions they have multi many oh, different yeah. division levels, and I ended up in like the mid midling fair to middling division, as I would paraphrase it. Uh, Nothing def- wrong
2: with middling. Well, uh, yeah, I mean we we had
0: three practices. We were just there to get in
3: the dragon boat and then go drink some beer after. Yep, so, um, Forte, what about you? Well, mine would be back when I was eighteen. So I just turned eighteen. I had graduation the next day after my eighteenth birthday. And then within the week, it's Canada Day, and uh, me and my buddies, just a bunch of us, went and got a table at the Forks. We got there at about one thirty p.m., and it's, like, impossible to get a table on Canada Day at the Forks because it's just so busy. But we ended up staying there. Like, we got—it was right on the river. We got to watch the fireworks display. It was great. But we were there from one thirty p.m. all the way until everything was closed. <laughs> All the, all the waitresses and the, the servers from the bar that we were at, they finished their shifts. They started having drinks with us after they were done. Uh, there was a guy. We didn't know this guy. He was just sitting at the end of our table by the end of the night. And, you know, we're like, hey, whose beer is this? <laughs> I don't know. So we just tossed it down to him. So we tossed him down in like half beers that nobody knew whose they were. Oh. And it, <laughs> it, 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 was, it was a crazy, crazy night. I had a great time. Getting home was so much fun. I don't even know the girl's name who drove me and my buddies home. I had a great time. And sorry, where was that? The Forks. At
0: the Forks. Mm-hmm. Okay. There you go. And again, the Forks will join us at 8.05 to tell us what they've got coming up this year. A big drone show. Loren, what have you got?
1: Okay, so this is kind of goes to Osborne Village. Uh, when they closed down the street. And Osborne's going to join us, the executive director, just after seven. But they closed down the whole street. And I was actually working that day. But this always stands out for me because, I don't know, you have to be of a certain vintage. But do you guys remember this commercial?
3: Hey, hey. I'm, uh, I'm not a lumberjack. Of course. I'm a fur trader. So is this- I don't live in an igloo or eat blubber or own a dog sled. And I don't know Jimmy, Sally, or Susie from Canada, although I'm certain they're really, really nice. Uh- so this is
1: Joe... From the I Am Canadian ads for Canadian beer. And the biz brought Joe in to stand on that stage and do, like, his 90-second commercial. Like, he literally just stood up on the stage and redid the commercial. And the crowd was, like, woo! Like, just so pumped <laughs> to have this fake Joe. I don't even know what his name Maybe his name is Joe. I don't know. But uniting all the people with the difference. Like, yeah, we don't just eat, like... Uh, poutine and we don't just do this and that and that's what it, it was the weirdest thing that drew people in and I that will always stand out for me because the commercial was so popular but the fact that people came to watch a dude in a commercial was even better how many
0: times did he did he only do just it got once? up
1: did it once left <laughs> like I don't know what that cost to bring him in uh, or maybe the Canadians like the Canadian beer company I don't know it was so cleared. weird I'm
0: sure the
2: check, the cleared. check
1: cleared people loved it <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, that commercial was fantastic. And it's one of those things where I sort of forget about it. And then all you have to hear is that I knew as soon as you heard the microphone. Like, oh, yeah, of course. I remember this commercial. One of the big things we're talking about today, Canada Day, the July long weekend approaching, holidays, vacation plans, really going to kick off in earnest for a lot of Manitobans.
1: Yeah, you might be going away for a few days or weeks, but lots of people stick closer to home, particularly for Canada Day. And there are always several places to celebrate. The Downs has fireworks. There's a party at Assiniboine Park. Later this morning, we're going to check in with the Forks for more on how they're treating Canada Day after taking that different approach last year when the Forks renamed events A New Day in the Wake of the Discovery of Unmarked Graves at former residential schools, Brett. So that's coming up in the next hour.
0: So that's at 8.07. Right now we want to talk about what's happening this weekend in Osborne Village as it launch, launches Summer in the Village with a block party on July 1st. And we have got we do have some questions as well about petty crime that we're seeing like a rise in graffiti. So Lindsay Summers, Executive Director of the Osborne Village Biz, is here in studio with us. Good morning, Lindsay.
4: Good morning.
0: So Canada Day, do you consider... Uh, Do you look at it sort of like an almost unofficial launch of summer?
4: Yeah, I think uh, July 1st is a really good time in in Winnipeg to kick off summer and bring everyone together for outside parties and, uh, you know, just getting together and uh, celebrating.
1: We just talked in our last segment about our Canada Day memories and two of the five of us talked about Osborne Village parties and, and, you know, in days gone by, like the entire street would be shut down. How do we do it now? What's happening this weekend and what does it look like?
4: Yeah, so we're continuing to evolve and change and uh, respond to the needs in the community. So this year is just like last year. We're just building on pilot projects, working with the community to bring people together in a way that's intentional and meaningful, but also serves uh, the mission of the Osborne Village biz, which is to improve the neighborhood, invite people 365 days a year. Uh, We have a small budget, so, uh, you know, the Canada Street Party, it wasn't really uh, working for our members as much anymore. Uh, We're still open to doing things Uh, in the future. We have a long-term plan to uh, explore the back lanes that could maybe be uh, more of a street party-type festival, but right now for this year, we're really excited to be working with Folklorama to invite uh, bands from around the world to play at one of our two stages. Uh, Our other stage, we're going to have a fashion show, kids' entertainment, a live DJ, and uh, yeah, it's just going to be a really, uh, it's about people coming down and for the community, for everyone to come together and uh, share.
1: Well, the thing is, uh, the, the businesses want people to come down and see what's there, what's new, what's happening. And and of course, it's celebrating Canada Day, but really, you really want to try to draw people in. And when you shut down that street, it's almost like you turned your back to the businesses, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, because you were looking at the different vendors and you weren't necessarily exploring the village, And so is the idea just to bring people in to say, hey, look, here's what we have to offer?
4: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we have, uh, you know, lots. We have over 30 restaurants from around the world. And so in the old model, we had food trucks come in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> this year we wanted people to, to try out Osborne Village restaurants and dine around the world, listen to music from around the world, explore the shops um, yeah, it's a great neighborhood to walk around and explore, and uh, we've done some public art investments, new seating, uh, more flowers, and so we're really working hard to make the village really beautiful and a place that re- people want to be.
0: And then the block party starts at noon
4: on Saturday? Yeah, it goes from noon to four on Saturday.
0: Okay, and uh, we also did want to just touch on this for sure, because look, there's going to be lots to celebrate, and I live in the village, I love the village, and I think that's why I get fr- frustrated. I mean, it's, I know it's in every neighborhood. And the village isn't immune to crime, uh, but even the stuff like the graffiti, that it feels to me like it it's happening more often. And it is, it, does that fall on, on the biz to deal with that?
4: Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And uh, yeah, you're not wrong. There's uh, a lot of graffiti everywhere all over the city. Uh, it's a real challenge for us to keep up with that. Uh, we do have, as part of our budget, we have a budget set apart where we have a partnership with the West End Biz to come and remove greedy, graffiti twice a month, uh, but it's not enough. It's not enough. How busy are they? Like how many calls could you potentially make a day or week? Oh, we have, we have, I think we have uh, between 50 and 100 tags right now on our list to get to. Um, (laughs) It's just a laundry list that, you know, our capacity just doesn't meet the the need that we have, nor does our budget. So these are, you know, things that we're really working with to improve the neighborhood, to redirect our funds to, to better meet the needs, to make it more beautiful and inviting. And, um, you know, we just, we have a lot to keep up with.
0: If it falls on, if the, the, a business is tagged, as opposed to, say, uh, the, the bridge it gets a lot of graffiti, but the, the, the sidewall of the Safeway in recent months had a huge tag on it, and that's since been cleaned up. Does that uh, also fall under your purview, or is it up to the business
4: yeah, so if you're a member of the Osborne Village Business Improvement Zone, that's part of the services that we do provide. Okay. So, yeah, we do do that, but the bridge would probably would fall under the city.
1: What What's your response to stuff like that? Because here you are talking about all the great things going on in the village. You have this block party this weekend for Canada Day, and I know you do lots of things for summer in the village throughout, throughout the summer, right, to bring people down and celebrate that fantastic neighbourhood. And then on the opposite end, when you have these petty-type crimes that seem to just be meaningless it's got to be so frustrating for businesses because you are doing all these things to beautify the neighborhood. And that just has to, when you wake up and see a new tag, you must just think, ugh.
4: Yeah, it's really hard. I feel like my mother, after she vacuumed anytime I walked through Osborne Village,
1: (laughs) I I just vacuumed. (laughs)
4: Yeah. So it's extremely frustrating. um, But we know that uh, grassroots community uh, is strong in Osborne Village. And when we have people come together and, and be there for one another, we... We can start to make the difference. Uh, we have a volunteer program where we have you know dozens of volunteers coming to pick litter on Sundays and landscape and window wash and so that pride and community is very, very strong in Osborne Village and you know these summer block parties and our events this summer are are, are, are leaning into that. And, you know, that's how we can build the Osborne Village community and, and build it for the long term in the future. So we're really excited.
0: The Summer in the Village Block Party takes place this Saturday, July 1st from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. on two stages, the Bell Tower stage and the Gas Station Art Centre stage.
1: I just wanted to follow up. To get between the stages, I can take the Fet Jockey Musical pedicab. Yeah. Is that a guy just driving me on his bike with music? Tell me about this.
4: Yeah, it's a lady. She's driving the pedicab. So it's, uh yeah, it's a bike chariot. You can ride in the back. You know, toddle around the village, get rides, have live music. Uh, It's going to be a party. Why aren't you taking that to work in the mornings? That's the way you should be coming to
1: work, Brett. (laughs)
0: That does sound like a fun thing. Might save me a little bit of cash, too, or save the company some cash. Uh, You can get more information on this, by the way, at OsborneVillageBiz.com. Lindsay Summers, Executive Director of the Biz. Thank you so much for joining us and for coming to see us. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling's off today, of course. We always get all kinds of feedback from you, and we welcome it all, 204-780-6868. Fun stuff, serious stuff. And on the serious side, we had to chat last half hour about stolen bikes. And, uh, Lorena, I understand one of our listeners has a tale of going to recover that bike from the thief.
1: Yeah, our listener at 637 first told us about his bikes being stolen, reported it to police online, then found those bikes on a Facebook marketplace type site the next day and thinking, Hey, that's my bike. What do you do? They worked with the police, called police and are, are waiting to see if anything will come from that. But you might be inclined to figure out it out yourself. And I think the advice would be to not do this, but I can appreciate how you want your bike back. So one of our listeners says, I just bought a bike from sport check for my 13 year old. It was stolen from the bike compound at school. Bolt cutters used on video surveillance and off he went. We were furious. He was so upset. I found said bike on Facebook Marketplace. I arranged a sale and pickup. Things went sideways as it was more of a rough neighborhood, a few folks eyeing my vehicle. Basically, I didn't want to get stabbed, didn't make the deal that night. Day later, it was reposted by another seller for twice the sell price as the first. I again arranged using a few methods and profiles and decoy buyers to go. This time, I wasn't leaving without it. I got the bike. It was worth going to war with these criminals. No one was hurt. Wow. I'm wow. I, i, I I'm, I'm sure the advice from the police would be to not do that because you don't know what you're going to end up in. And on the other hand, if they can't get there because they're dealing with so many other crimes to help recover your bike, you're, you might be inclined to go do what this listener did.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know, when you you talk about criminals, like, look, I get it, whether it's people stealing bikes or breaking into cars or they're tagging things with their graffiti. I get that. There are a lot of people who are down on their luck. We got a lot of people who are disillusioned and yet If they're getting away with these things, if the police, I know the police are overwhelmed. They're overwhelmed with serious stuff to the point where these smaller things fall by the wayside. So the more of these things that these people, these criminals get away with, uh, the worse it is for all of us.
1: And so what's the answer to that? And, and, And I know that there are people out there who will go to great lengths to track things down and help others. The same way they launched those smashed windows clubs, remember in River Heights and St. James, you know, mm-hmm. 10, 15 years ago, because neighbors and residents were fed up and wanted to start at least reporting to each other what was going on. So tell us your bike story. If you've got one, they are coming in fast and furious from so many Winnipeggers say, Hey, average of four and a half times a day, a bike gets stolen in the city You are, pro- you might be one of them.
0: We had a police officer whose bike was stolen from our building. When we were in Polo park, we came to do an interview. His bike got stolen. Yeah. Question of the day at CJOB.com for Mr. Furness. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furness, 204-832-6243. Who won the Pierre-Luc Dubois trade? Updated results. 50% say the Winnipeg Jets. 31% say the Los Angeles Kings. And Loren, 19% say even trade.
1: So just as the lay person, the the average fan coming in who watches a lot of games, I went and looked at the list because uh, family members were like, who did we get for him? So I... You read out Alex Iafalo, Rasmus Kapari, and Gabe Villardi, and mm-hmm. then I thought, I don't know who any of those are. <laughs> Cameron Poitras does know who they are. That's who we turn to in our times of need with our Jets questions. <laughs> so, who, tell us a bit about them. But first, if you were to answer that question of the day, did we win in that?
2: Uh, is that easily answered? It, it, no, it isn't. I mean, these are something. This is this is something that is that we that that kind of over the next five years sort of begins to unfold. So I can't say the Winnipeg Jets have, have won this trade. What I can say is that given the circumstances where they had to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois, he was only willing to go to five or six teams Who the Jets were even having to negotiate. Um, given all of that, I would say that the return was certainly optimized by the Winnipeg Jets bringing in five assets and and I'm there's 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 no doubt that this second round pick next year could be a big part bringing in another piece i know the winnipeg jets are looking to sort of rebuild um rebuild the cupboards and and, and get uh, more prospects down the pipe uh they traded the second round pick of this year and next and so bringing back that second round pick is 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 a big part of this Um, And they bring Alex Iafalo here, who's a veteran, 29 years old. Uh, You know, a defensive side to his game, a a guy that can sort of play in in both ends. Um, And that's kind of what the Winnipeg Jets are are looking for, particularly on the wing. He plays plays right wing. So that could be a replacement for Blake Wheeler, who we know has played his final game as a Winnipeg Jet. How that's going to unfold, well, that remains to be seen here. And then um, in comes two former uh, first-round picks. I mean, the, the Kings... Uh, brought in Rasmus uh, Kupari uh, uh back in 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 2018 he was a 20th overall pick and then uh Gabriel Villardi was a was a former 11th round pick um and so these are these are guys that are going to slot right back into the Winnipeg Jets lineup and are likely going to be members of this team uh in in some capacity on this opening night roster when things get going on October 11th in Calgary
0: does this move by the Jets send a, a- Good message to the fan base that they they're working on it.
2: I certainly do. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's still more work to do. I mean, what's going to happen with Connor Hellebach? What's going to happen with Mark Scheifele, uh Blake Wheeler? Are they going to find a way to offload his salary and move him out? Uh, is a buyout going to be the the likely option there when things kind of come to a head on, on on you know on on June 30th here? It it all remains to be seen. But I I and I think based on that poll and as unscientific as it is, guys. Um, I, I think, and, and just in the, in the brief discussion I was having with people that I ran into yesterday, uh, following the trade, um, I think everybody was happy with happy with this return, uh, you know, Rasmus Kupari and, and Gabriel Velarde, these are two guys that are also RFAs are going to need new contracts. Um, I'm sure the Winnipeg Jets wanted to have a little bit more clarity, perhaps some, some contracts with these two players before the trade happened. I'm in pure speculative fashion, Um, I wonder if that 2024 second round pick found its way uh, into that because there was no uh, definitive answers on Gabriel Velarde, particularly who I think was the big piece uh, of this, as well as Alex Iafalo as the the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, listen, there was opportunities here with the Montreal Canadiens where they were looking to move prospects, draft pieces, that sort of thing, futures. The Jets don't want futures. They're they're still, uh, in, they still believe, and the organization still believes that with with players like Josh Morrissey and Kyle Connor and, and Nick Ehlers, um th- this op- this team still has a chance to to retool on the fly here and and turn it into something here without without having to to totally uh, blow this thing up and, and rebuild. I think that's the right that's the right case, and I think this makes a real good case that um, let's wait, let's wait and see what happens with with the other two with the other trades that are going to be coming up here at some point. Uh, but I think this is a good indication that um, listen, these guys are going to be worth something on the, on the market in the national hockey league. And the return could be very good now, but I would hesitate to, for people to under to think that when Connor Hellebach or Mark Shifley hits the lot, hits the, it's the trade market that there's going to be a return of, of this amount of return. It's just not going to be that way unless they can figure out a way to do sign in trades, just like, uh, just like they did here with, with Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mean, these guys are UFAs. That's the only way that I think they could really maximize their return. But I, I would just hesitate people to think like, oh, well, this is what the Jets are going to get for Connor Halibach. That's what they're going to get for Mark Um uh, They could get big packages, and I think that they will, but I, I don't think it's going to be to this extent given the circumstances.
1: You know, here we were back in March at the trade deadline talk, do something, do something, you got to do something. And now so much is being done. It feels like, did you anticipate that coming? Like in in the terms of we had all these names on the list, but it feels like so many are on the list and now we will really have a, not a brand new lineup, but a very, very, very different looking lineup. Yeah. And
2: and I, I think it's, I think that's a good thing too. I mean, if we go back to last year, it was sort of like, okay. And I, and I was of the camp where, I believe that the Winnipeg Jets needed a change at head coach, which was forced onto them by, by Paul Maurice resigning um, the not last January, but the January before. Um, And I, and I was of the belief listen these, the, this is a good roster. It's a good lineup. They deserve to have another chance with another coach Mm -hmm. in walks, Rick bonus. And obviously things didn't end up uh, positive in, in any stretch of the imagination. Um, you know the teammate did make the playoffs, which which is an, which is an accomplishment in itself. Uh, but when you when your head coach comes out like that and is that frustrated for months and months on to end after what happened at the beginning of the year, things weren't good. Change needed to happen, um, and so I I I think this is this is a good thing. I think that this trade wouldn't have been uh, as big of a haul for the Jets if it would have been done last season. I think in terms of Mark Shifley and Connor Halabak, it would be the exact same way. I think it would be um, uh, actually a lesser return. I, th- I think this is the, the right time to make these moves. So, like last year, there was like do something, make some make some changes. I think that was honestly the right decision. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but I'd like to put myself back in the shoes of the situation last year and say, yeah, at the time, it was the right move. Um, just like I think at the time it was the right move to to move Patrick Lining and Jack Roslevic to Columbus to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois, you know, two and a half years ago. That was the right move at that time. That was the right trade, and this is the right time and the right trade for the Winnipeg Jets.
0: I know the deal just happened yesterday, yeah. but have we heard anything from the players who are coming here?
2: Not yet, no. Shevaldav um, uh, uh, did speak with Jets TV. Uh, there's not many uh, local reporters. There's some in in Nashville, so it was a very... Uh, Sort of brief uh, conversation uh, where I I think there has to have been talks at some point within the organization and the players has to have been by this point uh, you know get to know get to know each other sessions Um, perhaps very preliminary talks about about uh, signing contracts with with uh, Kupari as well as Velarde are going to be ongoing perhaps after the draft and after the situation with Blake Wheeler has started. I mean, there's a lot of the Winnipeg Jets played right now. So we haven't heard anything uh, concrete from the the players yet, but I'm I'm sure that that's something that's not going to take too much longer.
1: Draft tonight, 6 p.m. our time.
2: Yeah, it gets going. Uh, we're going to have tons of coverage on, uh, of course, Jets at noon getting going at 12.10. Will there the be a shocker a- at
1: number one? Like, no, what, what if What if they don't take oh, the dart? See, there's... <laughs> I, it's always in the back
2: of your mind, right? Um, Could that happen? There's too much pressure to do it. It's like... Even even if, and you'd be crazy not to take Connor Bedard, but even if you're a general manager and you're the one guy that's hesitant about it, there was so much pressure on making that pick, you have to take him. Yeah, because he'll be the
1: guy for years to oh, come that is everyone's like, that's the guy that didn't take Bedard. Yeah, he it's the, the top pick? Uh, Chicago.
2: Yeah, Chicago so they have 100, like, if he gets a 100-point season, it's like, what are you guys, idiots?
1: Like, <laughs> um, I, That'll be all you'll known for for the rest of your career, yeah, the guy who didn't it, take
2: it, it's a It's a career-defining move, and there's literally no losing in in, in bringing in Connor Bedard. There's not one loss. Like you, you bring in a guy that's a phenom, projected to be one of the one of the best NHL players. Uh, you don't lose in that at all. Like everybody would say, well, of course you take him. Yeah. So there's there's no way to lose that. So, but by thinking like, oh, he can't skate well enough, and he's too small, and skipping over him and picking somebody else. Oh man, that takes some cojones, man! You're you're, you're 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 walking down the street with those things if you're making a a deal like that.
0: Cameron Poytris is the host, a co-host of Jets at Noon with Jim Toth. Thank you for the insight, sir. We appreciate it. Thanks, and guys. More hockey on Jets at Noon, and then lots of draft coverage tonight on six eighty CJOB. And a reminder that we have either Bears tickets to give away to watch some basketball or Gimli Film Festival tickets to give away at 9.15 based on your Canada Day memories. Like Bill, who says about 30 years ago, I restored a 1928 1928- tugboat oh cool and we took it out on canada day and anchored in the bay in our local town to watch the fireworks and then we chugged back home with it it was a wonderful canada day and we ended up in the newspaper two two page spread about the history of the boat and uh bill says this was in sioux lookout ontario and he even painted the boat red and white so that's cool
1: I can't even get my bike to be festive, let alone like an entire boat.
0: (laughs) So way to go, Bill. We're going to pick a winner at 9.15. The winner shall choose the prize and then we'll give away the second prize after 9.30. And as we continue to get ready for Canada Day, let's head now to a place that's using drones to help celebrate
1: the Forks. Claire McKay is the chief communications officer with the Forks North Portage Partnership and joins us now. Good morning, Claire. Good morning. We want to ask some questions, of course, about last year because there was some applause and some criticism for the way the forks changed the day, changed the name. But first, before we look back, let's look ahead to Saturday. The theme is finding our North Star. Tell us about it and what's up for the for Saturday?
5: Well, yeah. So our theme is finding our North Star, which is really fitting for the way that we've evolved the programming for this year's Canada Day. It sort of starts at noon. There's something for everyone all over the site. So we're using the full 52 acres of the Forks and the Forks National Historic Site to bring something for everybody. Um, So we have a main stage uh, in front of the Forks Market. We have a soccer tournament happening and skills uh, for basketball. We have food trucks, picnic tables, beading workshops, and then we're capping everything off with this amazing first-ever in Winnipeg drone show. Um, it's entitled Akachos, which is Star in Cree, and it's being curated around the teachings of Elder Wilfred Buck, who's a member of the at Cree Nation. He's a star knowledge keeper, um, and so it's really fitting that we're pairing these ancient celestial teachings with really cutting-edge drone technology that's never been seen before in Winnipeg, and that's at 10.30.
0: So what are the drones going to be doing and how many are going to be in the air?
5: There's a hundred of them. And really what they do is they, they, they are enabling us to tell a story, which is different than we've been able to do before. So they move um, and create shapes and images and they continue to move as the show carries on. It's really hard to explain uh, unless you see it. Um, But the images will shape shift throughout the narration and this will be narrated and there will be speakers on the site. So people will hear Wilfred Bach tell us about the North Star and why it's important. Um, The idea that we all share one sky is part of his teachings and I think that's really fitting for um, Canada Day this year at the Forks.
1: So there'll be people out there, you know, Claire, like for every change you make that has people smiling and laughing and loving it, there are those that say, oh, why, why change? Why not keep the fireworks and all the rest? And and so I'm curious with this evolution of what you're doing at the Forks, how much of that came out of conversations? Last year, it was called a new day, not Canada Day. And of course, that was in the wake of the discovery of various different unmarked graves in former residential schools across the country. What was the feedback last year? And then how did you get to what you're doing this year as a result?
5: Yeah, thanks so much for saying the word evolution. This, that is what this is. It's an evolution of how people celebrate Canada Day, how people acknowledge the day. Um, And I will just make a small correction. We didn't change the name of Canada Day last year. Our theme was a new day, and it was in recognition of what you had just mentioned. So we continue to evolve the conversation. Um, You know, as a nation, we are are changing. Um, As a space, we are continuing to be innovative. So what we do on our site is reflective of who we are as the Forks. I mean, we're a site with 6,000 years of history, most of that Indigenous. But we're also a space that welcomes newcomers and youth And really welcomes everybody. So it's a continued evolution of the conversation about Canada Day. So Canada Day is a chance for us all to come together. And just as, you know, I just mentioned about Wilfred Buck and those teachings of we share one sky, we do, we share one sky. Um, And we did go out immediately after last year's Canada Day. We do a survey twice a year, uh, right in the middle of summer. And then we also do one in the winter. We surveyed well over 2,000 people and asked them specifically. Uh, Right after last year's um, Canada Day, what did you think of it if you attended? In winter, what would you like to see? So we really have a really, we think, a good handle on what people are looking for. And a lot of people were looking for something to end the evening in celebration. And so that's where the idea of the drone show came from. And being able to offer something for the first time ever in such a really innovative, interesting way was really exciting to us. So we're really thrilled to be able to do that to end the evening this year.
1: Of course, a day to celebrate and acknowledge and reflect and all the rest. And, and for many, it was also a day to talk about something we, we didn't want to talk about. And that was a crime, Claire. There was a Ukrainian refugee living in Winnipeg for just two weeks when he was the victim of a stabbing just closer to the Canadian Museum for Human Rights. What's security going to look like at the Forks this year? Is it more beefed up than last? What's the response?
5: Well, I just want to acknowledge that violence of any form is not acceptable on our site. And we're working with a large number of community safety organizations, our own internal security and the Winnipeg Police Service to ensure that safety and crowd control is big uh, for us on, on event days. And so we have a full team in place that um, that is able to assist us and we Our our goal is always to keep people as safe as possible on our site. Unfortunately, we aren't immune to crime, but it is something that we're very aware of and take very seriously.
0: Claire McKay, Chief Communications Officer, Forks North Portage Partnership. Thank you very much for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you. Some big-name NHL players are starting to speak out after the league's recent decision to put an end to the players wearing themed jerseys during warm-ups for things like Cancer Nights, Indigenous Youth, Filipino Heritage, and Pride. The theme night's... Are not canceled, but the players simply won't be wearing the jerseys anymore.
1: Yeah, they wore them during warm ups, as you said, and the Winnipeg Jets acknowledged yesterday that those theme nights continue. I, I saw a bunch of people on Twitter super excited for Filipino Heritage Night, but again, the jersey that accompanies that won't be worn by the players in the pre-game warm up, and that's had some players reacting to these theme nights. So the captain of the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid, says it's disappointing. Stephen Stamkos with Tampa Bay says 98 to 99% of the players wore the jerseys and wore them with pride. But the league decided last week teams won't wear pregame threads next season. The result of a handful of players refusing to support rainbow-colored pride jerseys in the 2022-23 season, which in turn caused unwelcome distractions, according to the league. The league's Board of Governors agreed with Commissioner Gary Bettman's view that the jersey refusals overshadowed team efforts In hosting events like Pride Nights. We're joined now by Jen Rands, Vice President of Community Engagement for Pride Winnipeg Festival. Hi, Jen. Good morning. So let's just talk about your reaction to the announcement a few days ago. What went through your mind when you heard about it?
6: To be honest, I wasn't really surprised by the action that Gary Bettman and the board took. Um, I mean, they've spent the majority of uh, the end of the season uh, kind of pointing fingers at the, the pride night in specific. So uh, it's extremely disappointing. I'm, I was pretty saddened to hear that that's the route they went.
0: And when big players like Connor McDavid uh, are speaking out uh, against the league's new policy, what, what do you think about that?
6: I mean, it's it's great. It's wonderful to know that the support is still there. Um, it's it's extremely disappointing to hear that, you know, they they took the the big hammer approach when it came to seven out of, you know, over 700 active roster NHL players to to go ahead and cancel all the theme nights. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's unfortunate that the you know the the fingers being pointed directly at the Pride nights when. You know, we're taking the blame for the rest of the nights getting canceled, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I mean, the theme nights will continue and they'll still do all sorts of things, you know, with with music and speeches or other events, I'm I'm sure, Jen. But what did it it mean or did it mean something, maybe I should put it that way, uh, to you or, or, or to the LGBTQ community to see the players wearing those jerseys? Was there an impact both personally or even just more in the conversations that comes from those
6: Yeah, so the biggest thing about the 2SLGBTQ plus community um, is visibility, right? And taking away um, something so visible as a warm-up jersey, um, you know, just it's unfortunate. Um, I know from working very closely with uh, True North um, and the Manitoba Moose and the Winnipeg Jets that they, they put a ton of effort and there was actual tangible action that they took during those Pride Nights, which I absolutely have no question that they will continue to do to support our community. Uh, it's very important to have that visibility for youth. And it's it's well known that 2SLGBTQ plus youth face a lot of barriers in sports. It's not always a a safe or welcoming environment for them. So to see a professional sports team... Um, you know, lead and and have that visibility that they are accepted is is definitely key.
0: Yeah, and I think about those kids. I I just think about what what things were like when I was a kid, and and the way I that I would not just look up to these athletes of whatever team I was supporting, but like revered them, right? Like I, they were like idolized them. So if I'm a member of the pride community or a member of the Filipino community, as Loren mentioned, or Asian heritage, or whatever, if I'm a kid in one of these nights and I see one of my favorite players wearing something that represents me, that make, would, I would think that would make me feel special just to have it taken away. Just kind of, I don't know, kind of, to me, it stinks.
6: Yeah, it's, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, as a kid growing up, you know, loved watching hockey and had my favorite players and it would have made a whole world of difference to, you know, little me <laughs> growing up to be a little bit more comfortable in my own skin and and feel more comfortable in sports um the thing that really irks me about this is that you know you log on to the BNHL nhl website right now and you click on their hockey is for everyone initiative and they're still plastering their support for pride all over their web page but at the same time you're you're taking away that visibility and and uh Sadly the way they've they've framed this to the media and let the media run rampant with it, it's like I said, it's they're they're blaming the cancellation of these warm up jerseys on, on Pride and on those seven individuals that refuse to wear the jersey. They're just, in my opinion, focusing on the entirely wrong thing here. Do you think it's that just, the res- sort of show the importance of having these nights and having that visibility in the form of a warm up jersey?
1: Yeah, they're almost proving the point that was trying to be made perhaps, Jen. And I'm curious, you know, one of the comments from Stamkos with Tampa Bay is that he he thought maybe the attention on, I think, did you just say it was just seven players? Yeah. Yeah. So just, he thought the attention on those seven perhaps was part of the problem because he, he said 99% of the players were wearing them, but was it fair in that, you know, to get the conversation going to have that the accusations and criticisms in and around the seven, was that a distraction or, or a fair part of the conversation? Honestly,
6: I I blame the media for this one. Uh, they they focused on, um, you know, unfortunately, our, the, the climate in the 2SLGBTQ plus community lately has been almost going backwards in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, rights and, and how we're treated. Even in our own province, you know, we're getting reports of um, families' pride flags being stolen in the dozens, uh, even just this past weekend in southern Manitoba and in communities like Brandon. Um, you know things like the book bans creeping up. It's just, it's it's really tough to be a part of our community right now. So to have to have the media and the NHL, you know, treat this as a distraction rather than, you know, focusing on the fact that you know things aren't great right now for our community. We could probably use that little extra support instead of, you know, the <laughs> taking it away.
1: Isn't that kind of the point though, Jen? Like if if you point out those who are not working to be inclusive, then that needs to be said too, no? Absolutely. Yep. So then when we move forward, you talk about some of the things that are not going well right now and, and the concern there and the feeling that, you know, you're taking so many steps backward. What do we do now? Like what what should we be highlighting? What should we be talking about? We're just wrapping up Pride Month now. Like how do we turn the tide on, on this? Because it hurts me to hear that you feel, and many might feel this, I'm guessing that we are moving back.
6: Yeah. and I mean, we've... We definitely are moving backwards. I know there are a lot of community members that just simply just don't feel safe. Whereas, you know, last year, two years ago, it was a different different feel and a different climate. So it's more important now than ever to, you know, <clears throat> support folks in the 2SLGBTQ plus community, learn what it means to be, um, you know, a, a good ally, um, <laughs> you know, things like that.
0: Jen Rands, Vice President, Community Engagement with Pride Winnipeg Festival, Inc. Thank you very much for joining us with your insight. We appreciate it. Absolutely. McGarry, McNabb, Mackling's off this week. Last chance to get in on our Canada Day contest. We've got tickets to give away for the Winnipeg Sea Bears on July 11th at Canada Life Center, or a pair of tickets for the Gimli Film Festival, July 26th to the 30th. The winner shall choose which prize they get. And we're just asking you for Canada Day memories. Like we just told one about somebody who ended up at uh, from Dave who was at the Pink Floyd concert in 1994 on Canada Day. And Greg Kaye was there as well. He says, 1994, I was 18. I had just graduated high school the night before. So after those festivities on the 30th, I spent the first Canada Day at a barbecue with friends, which was capped off with that Pink Floyd concert at the stadium. And that's a memory of a lifetime for me, says Greg K.
1: That is interesting that we've had a couple Pink Floyd texts. Yeah. Same concert, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. That was because I remember that there was, there was a stretch there where we had a whole bunch of big shows. I think David Bowie was at the stadium and uh, Pink Floyd and the Rolling Stones were there twice. And U2, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, we had lots of big shows. Come through there. I was outside the stadium for the first Rolling Stones concert. <laughs> we were like, well, we can't get in, so let's just try to <laughs> try to see what it's like outside. It wasn't bad.
1: It was I, I think that happens around lots of stadium concerts, no? That you would just sort of sit and at least listen to the sound?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, that's, and we could hear it mostly, but the, it was just there was a lot of bouncing. Sure. sound and it wasn't the best, but it was still kind of neat. We were just all kicking ourselves. Why don't we just get tickets
1: for this stupid <laughs> show?
0: Uh, so tell us your Canada Day story for a chance to win. We're going to pick a winner in our next segment. But right now we just want to share some of your thoughts on this situation with the NHL, in case you're just tuning in and missed it uh, last half hour. The NHL recently made the decision to end the practice of players wearing special theme night warm-up jerseys, because they have all these different theme nights, right, uh, whether it's uh, Asian heritage or Indigenous youth or cancer nights or for veterans or for Pride, and we spoke with Pride Winnipeg because really it was the Pride jersey, uh, the handful of players in the NHL didn't want to wear them, and it, it led to some distractions as far as the league is concerned, so they've just said, we're still going to do the nights. But the players will not wear these jerseys anymore, regardless of the theme night.
1: Yeah, and I hadn't known, and same with one of our listeners, Paula texted to say, Lorraine, I'm with you. I didn't realize it was just seven players. And she she Googled and did did a double check that there were just seven players out of hundreds within the NHL that chose not to wear that jersey for warm-up. And our guest at... 837 really felt like, you know, pride was bearing the brunt of this. And now all sorts of communities don't get to have that added impact of those game-worn jerseys. And it's not just about the representation of that player wearing the Filipino-inspired jersey or the Indigenous youth one or whatever. It's about seeing yourself in a high profile athlete, it was also that these jerseys would then go on to be sold for different things. You know, yeah. like you could, you could use them for fundraising. That's right. And so there's a, there's a bigger impact than just saying, I, I'd like to see myself. I felt represented that night uh, when they did these things. It's more than that. And so we've had some feedback from listeners. One of our listeners says, yeah, the NHL dropped the ball. Military, military appreciation night in the United States is huge. I can't imagine that's going to go over well, that those jerseys can't be worn. That is one of the biggest things in the U.S., and now they've gotten rid of it. So the, I would suspect there might be some outcry from military. Uh, the next listener says actually that they feel that this change is right.
0: So the, the the should the blame not be placed on the giant commotion caused by the media and the cancel culture currently present? We were talking about a very, very very small number of players who refused to wear the jersey here.
1: And there was some sense that there might have been but that was the distraction that these players became the distraction because because there was such a small group of them. But the idea was, if you're talking about inclusion, you're trying to include everybody. And court texted to say, this NHL thing burns my biscuits, especially because it was seven players. At that point in any other business, it would be insubordination. How is hockey that much different? And that was what I was trying to get at at the end of the segment. Just seven players uh, to cancel the whole thing for the seven players. And the, the NHL saying that that was the distraction I don't know was there not a compromise saying we're going to continue doing it and if you don't want to fine but we're going to continue doing it like we acquiesce to the seven
0: yeah I don't know why they the, the players who don't want to wear the jerseys can't just sit out the warm-up like if, it, if it's really that bad and you you it's you're either making you uncomfortable or you're just flat out refusing and maybe you get fined by your organization and you say, fine, I'll take the fine. Just let me sit this out. I'll stay in the back, and then I'll come out and play once the game gets going. I that To me, that seems like that should be the compromise as opposed to just wiping this this whole thing off the map. I mean, I know they're still going to have the theme nights, and they'll still have the jerseys, but this just seems like an overreaction from the league. And um, it's, as I said it last half hour. I'll say it again. It's just dumb.
1: I had asked someone else, uh, Jay down the hall with Power 97, can't the team just go ahead and do it if they want to? But then the team also gets fined, not just the player. So there's all Mm. sorts of things that place there. But I'd like to think that we can revisit this and perhaps there's a change coming. It meant a lot to thousands in all sorts of different communities and it means a lot for conversations on inclusion in all sorts of communities. And so just to think that we just change this all for seven seems ridiculous, but let us know what you think. 780
0: 68 And then so many of these jerseys are beautiful. The Wasak Jersey, the, the indigenous youth Jersey. When I remember we spoke to the designer uh, for the, the person who designed the jerseys for the jets and the Manitoba Moose back in 2020. And just, it's, it's spectacular. So, I mean, I know that these jerseys will still exist, sure. but to see them in that kind of spotlight, to see them on the player's, Uh, that automatically is going to make maybe make you want to go out and buy one rather than just walking by it on the store shelf. You might not even notice it at that point.
1: No, it just changes the awareness level. And so I think that's what's having people hurt right now too. uh, But we did hear from Pride Winnipeg that they are very pleased with everything the Winnipeg Jets are doing to work really hard to be more inclusive and to have more nights and have more things that help bring the community together. And I think that at least is terrific to hear.
4: The Start
3: on 680 CJOB.
1: Fortier, cue the weather bed again, like the weather music. You want the weather? I want to hear the weather music again. All right. Uh, the one with music? Or, I don't care. Or the, like, just whatever's <laughs> supposed to tell me that it's my time to read the weather. Okay, I'm just going to play this. Yep. Yeah, I have been hearing that for coming on five years in August. Five years in August, and I hear <laughs> that, and I think nothing. Like, I am just carry on with my day. And then Brett looks at me, and he waits for me to read the weather. And what do I do for Jay?
3: You all uh, forget. You forget the temperature. Yep. You, you just don't do it. I
1: don't. <laughs> yep.
6: <laughs>
3: it's not I a gag. It.
1: It's not a gag. Like, I think there are people who think this must be a gag. And I'm just, I was blank faced, looked over at you and thought, why is Brett reading the weather right now? I, I think forgot. it's
0: great. I love it. It's one of my favorite parts of, uh, <laughs> of the show. Uh, it's tradition. So thank you very much for re-queuing that, Forte. And we are asking you at 204-780-6868 to tell us about uh, Canada Day memory for a chance to win either Winnipeg sea Bears tickets or... Gimli film festival tickets and we are going to name one of our runners up here who is aaron who says i went to canada day at the forks when our lady peace was playing a free show at the forks i was 12 my brother was 16 i went with him and his friends at some point i got separated after my brother and his friends crowd surfed me and i just couldn't find them for the rest of the event So around 11, I realized I might be in trouble, so I called my dad. He had to come and get me. My brother was in deep. He was in the deep for losing me. I had a blast, though, and (laughs) OLP was my first concert. So there you go. That's a cool show to see, uh, Our Lady Peace. Sure.
1: Can you imagine dad in that moment, though? What do you mean, you're lost? Where's your brother? (laughs) I have to come get you?
0: Yeah, and this would have been a time where neither of them would have had cell phones on them, I'm guessing. Because this would have been early to probably, well, mid to late 90s, I guess. Like there was also that, for example, do you remember the, the Tragically Hip show that was on? Yes. That was I a Canada, Canada day, day, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it
1: was, yep.
0: And I know that the the, the reports of that it was 100,000 people have since been debunked a little bit, but there were thousands upon thousands of people there. I went just sort of by myself just to wander around. I don't know. I think I just happened to be walking by. I'm like, oh, what's this? Uh, but yeah, you could have, if you got, if you lost your friend in that, see ya. Yeah, Good luck. You're not finding
1: them I wonder again. how the brother was um punished, you know? Like a just a solid couple week grounding?
0: Aaron, let us know what <laughs> happened to your bro. You <laughs> said your your father was upset. Follow up, But our winner this morning, Lorraine, is Tom.
1: Canada Day memories. Last year, I attended a co-worker's son's wedding. After the toast to the bride, the new groom went to grab his new wife's hand to share in a special emotional moment. Instead of the hand, he knocked a freshly filled glass of red wine all over the front of her beautiful white dress. The 200 in the crowd went deathly silent. The bride, already emotional, collected herself, stood up, grabbed another glass of wine and said, Happy Canada today. Unforgettable, says Tom.
0: Excellent, excellent response from the bride, now dressed in red and white. Isn't it funny how at times where we uh, know we need to be careful as to avoid making a mess, that's often when we make the biggest mess. Oh, you
1: know, we were driving to a wedding on Saturday and we each had a coffee and I was doing my nails in the car, just stupid. And thought, this is the day that this is going to happen when you're actually dressed nicely. You never spill on yourself when you're in your gym clothes. Yeah. Ever. It's like on the way to work, on the way to an event, you know, on the way to where people are going to see you. It's never in the privacy of your own home. It's always public.
0: Yeah, I always had a buddy's place. My friend Steve, who, uh, you know, when you think of the, how does the term go? Cleanliness is next to godliness. Mm -hmm. Well, I I think that's his life mantra because he has the cleanest spick and span apartment ever it's it's like it's never even been inhabited like it's been vacuum sealed if i see a speck of dust uh that that's enough to drive him crazy so of course when i go over there i'm scared to make a mess so naturally when i reached for my drink once upon a time dumped the whole thing all (laughs) over his carpet because i was just i was so nervous to make a mess that it was the self fulfilling prophecy. I did it to myself. Bring
1: me with you next time. I'm going to bring like a jar of hot fudge sauce, like something that just <laughs> is sticky and ooh. I'm to threatened to spill it like the whole time.
0: <laughs> uh, coming up and, and congratulations, uh, Tom. You get to pick either the Sea Bears tickets or Gimli Film Festival tickets. So after nine thirty, we'll tell you which prize remains up for grabs.